Hey everyone, welcome to the Psych Sideshow Podcast. We made this podcast to develop our curiosity and yours. And we imagine ourselves as keen experimentalists when researching and implementing protocols. And hope you can imagine yourself as that as well. Our thoughts and views are aligned with the knowledge of an undergraduate student and it's not meant to be taken as professional advice in any sense. But join us chaotic beings in this journey of self-discovery as long as it is in a safe and informed manner. We, we hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the Psych Sideshow. It's just me this episode and today we'll be talking about terror management theory. Now you might be thinking, what the hell is terror management theory? And we'll be exploring that today. So let's get into the origins of theory. I think this is always a good place to start. Uh, so basically, the origin of this theory was from Ernest Becker, uh, who wanted to answer two main questions. The first one was, how are we as humans the same as other animals? Which he thought was through our biological proclivity for self-preservation. So basically, keeping ourselves alive and wanting our basic needs. Um and then the second question was, how are we as humans different from an other animals, and how do we survive? And he argued that our difference from other animals was our ability to think. Um, now, this is obviously up to, up to debate still today, uh, but he thought that a few main things that were uniquely human was that we may be the only animals that can actually reflect on our actions and create abstract dreams or ideas in our minds and make them real. So say, I can think of, uh, oh, how can I create a new invention that can like, I don't know, uh, wake me up in the morning. I can get a bowling ball or something <laughs> and I can create something, uh, weld it, make it into reality. And then that's a creation I made that was originally just constructed in my head but didn't exist um but even at this point it is still argued to this day the difference between animals and human consciousness as it actually seems like the more research i went into it that every day we realize animals have just as complex processing as humans in some situations and it seems that gap between our differences are just getting smaller and smaller which i think is all really interesting and there was another guy, I don't remember his name, but he argued that maybe consciousness actually comes in different forms from animal to animal, which is interesting. Uh, but more, even more specifically to the types of thought that appear to be uniquely human, but still up for a debate, is temporal thought. So that's basically time. So I can think of yesterday, I can think of tomorrow. Uh, symbolic thought, we have constructs such as class. So like, I know what class is, it's a place where everyone goes, learns something. And self-reflective thought, which is kind of what I said before, uh, reflecting on our own actions. And an example of this would be like, I was at class yesterday. So I can reflect that I was at class, class is the construct, and yesterday is the time. And because of these types of thought, uh, we appear to be more flexible with our behavior. We can self-regulate. Uh, we know ourselves exist. But another most important consequence of, this, uh, of these types of thought 
is that we know that we will die one day. <laughs> and that's what terror management theory is all about, dealing with this constant idea that death is on the horizon. Uh, just another side note, uh, I bumped into the philosopher, which actually uh, influenced Ernest Becker's ideas, called uh, Soren... Uh, I can't say his last name, but he's a Dutch philosopher, uh, which some say is the father of existentialism. He was an anxiety-driven man, with most of his siblings actually dying at a young age. And one day, apparently, he just came to the idea that uh, everything that we are told to do and what gives us meaning in life was all societal constructs, uh, such as having a house and family. And all ideas are constructed from our particular culture. And even some decisions, it actually doesn't matter what you choose that much. So, like, uh, the example he did was marry and you will regret it, don't marry and you will regret it. Uh, therefore, you will most likely regret most of the decisions that you make. Therefore, you might as well just laugh at it, which I think is a little... It's a funny, interesting way to look at the world. Um, but basically, this idea exposes the main way we deal with death anxiety, which is um, through culture, which helps us explain the origin of the universe, um, hope of immortality, and... Uh, like actual immortality, like the afterlife, or through our children or achievements, and uh, prescriptions of appropriate conduct, so like rules that we got to follow. And apparently this culture that we have for our deaf anxiety is what gives us meaning and what kind of shields us from that anxiety. Uh, and self-esteem self and beliefs are actually culturally relative, basically meaning that our self-esteem and beliefs depend on our on the culture that we grew up. And because self-esteem and beliefs are culturally relatives, they're actually fragile constructions needing social validation from others all the time. It's basically, you have an idea, you want a group that people agree with you, and it will make you have higher self-esteem. Um, uh, and so basically, now we're getting to the main figureheads of terror management theory, which is Jeff Greenberg, Sheldon Solomon, and Tom Piansky. Uh, they created this theory in 1986, which is, this is where I got a lot of my information. And they did some experiments uh, with them finding that raising self-esteem reduces anxiety in response to um, death-related videos and raising self-esteem reduces psychological arousal in response to the anticipation of a painful electric shock. So it's very psychological. Um, raising our self-esteem basically decreases our anxiety because of what they theorized. Um, it is a almost a protective barrier against, uh, I guess, it, not only anxiety itself, but also the anxiety of death. Therefore, our self-esteem, which is de which is dependent on our culture, meaning that we're basically all, our self-esteem is dependent on our own particular culture of what we grew up in, uh, protects us from this anxiety by telling us what we need to do to have meaning in our life, which shields us from general anxiety and anxiety about death. Because of this, uh, when we're exposed to death or death-related thought, we focus more on insignificant things sometimes uh, that we think that will make us feel like we matter more. So 
This can be things like being famous, having expensive products or awards, which is implanted in our brains by our culture that will bring us meaning into our lives. And I feel like that is definitely um, something I can just see, uh, especially being brought up in like Western culture, Australia, and having a lot of American TV and a lot of English TV. Uh, especially recently, I feel like um, there a lot of what meaning is, this is just personal opinion, uh, what meaning is a lot that's been kind of portrayed to us is attention, like having as much attention on us as possible, which I think is brought out through social media and is obviously very much rewarded through social media. Like if you get enough attention on social media, then um, you you get rewarded through, I guess, maybe social reward and money uh like an example i think there was a guy it was an old meme a long way back i'm not sure if people remember this still but on tiktok there was a guy who uh was riding a skateboard down and like just drinking a cranberry juice i don't know why i always think about think about this guy and this is kind of where the idea that i had of this came from and just by going down on his skateboard drinking this thing listening to a song uh he became his video blew up he got so much attention and um he actually got rewarded by getting like a free truck by the company by the cranberry juice company because apparently the sales went up which i think is uh very amusing so uh, i guess going back to the point trying to not go too far away uh i feel like each everyone's culture is very um it basically dictates what you need to do to have meaning in your life, which I think maybe recently, maybe my generation, being growing growing up on the internet my entire life, I feel like attention, money, and all that kind of stuff is, is very much wanted. So basically another idea uh, is that there are some quite negative effects when we are exposed to people with different beliefs and when we also encounter ideas of death as it exaggerates our need to protect one's culture. As if, uh, an example, uh, as if someone is right, you're wrong about your culture, it, in it increases our anxiety, as without ideas of what makes life meaningful, we are paralyzed by the idea that, hang on, if maybe I'm wrong and you're right, maybe everyone's wrong and maybe life is just meaningless and maybe uh we're just all slowly dying and nothing matters <laughs> which i think is um a funny little thing and uh so basically when we encounter people with vastly different beliefs and ideas we obviously have an urge to disparage them uh and like criticize them and like get really angry and all these different things which has actually been shown in many studies of people being being exposed to death and being exposed to people with different ideas and them being more violent. So basically, therefore, we have an inherent intolerance to people with different beliefs as it challenges the very thing that we rely on to shield ourselves from our own mortal terror. Another study that I found really interesting is they got a judge and they gave him uh, two scales, an anxiety scale or a neutral scale. And then, the and then he had to decide how harshly he would punish prostitutes. 
And basically, it was found when the judge was reminded of death, he was actually much more harsh. Uh, and this is, I guess, again, the idea that when you're exposed to death, um, you have this idea that you need to protect what you find is like justice, what is right, what is wrong, uh, which can lead to more harshness, according to this study. Um and a last little thing about terror management theory, which I found interesting, is that when we are exposed to the idea of death, um, this self-defending effect isn't actually straight away. There's actually a little bit of a delayed reaction, uh, which some people will theorize because we suppress the thoughts of death in, in the beginning, and then it's rebounded, and that's when our self-defending uh, effects come in. So basically, we get reminded of death, we go like, oh, no, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about that. And then we, people maybe say someone with like a different idea to me, arguing with me, then all of a sudden it gets rebounded and I go like, you know what? No, you're wrong. And I get a lot more um, defensive of my own beliefs because I'm reminded of death and my own mortality, which increases this need for self-esteem and if I don't have that, then I'm just going to realize again that we are all just, I guess, meat sacks. <laughs> that we're just all, like, rotting every day. Like, is there really a meaning to all life? Or is it just something that we own, uh, constructed ourselves and nothing really matters? Um, and do we just stress over things that don't matter? I don't know. These are some questions. Uh, another question is, do you think the knowledge of your own mortality controls your behavior? in ways that you don't know. Uh, give us a comment below, and thank you for listening. I know this was a bit of a different episode, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And everyone, stay curious.